Okay, I hope you've already read Matthew chapter 13. Uh, it isn't the shortest chapter, it's nearly 60 verses. And this is another major, you may have noticed, <laughs> that this is another major teaching section from Jesus in Matthew's gospel. There are a number of them, we pointed out. And um, so we, it's, it's, there's parables, it's a lot of parables in it. So um, let's think about the parable of the sower first, verses 1 through nine that's a well-known chapter a parable that jesus opens his chapter with and as the story goes a man walked along the path sowing some seed and the seed sprouted and produced differently according to the kind of soil it landed on so bad soil like either rocky thorny and sun scorched did didn't produce a thriving plant and finally some of the seed fell on good soil, and it produced, and it grew in an abundant harvest. So what is Jesus' purpose in telling this parable? He explains it in verses 18 to 23. It's one of the few, maybe only time, he actually does that. And he says the soil represents our own hearts and minds, the, the, and the seed represents the good news of the gospel or the word of God. And Jesus' point in this parable is that when a person hears the word of God, when he hears the good news of the gospel, there are all kinds of things um, in this world that will conspire to keep them from hearing it and accepting it. And Jesus identifies some of those things as trials and hardships, verse 21, or the cares of the world in verse 22, the deceitfulness of riches in verse 23. And to this day, these same things conspire against us in our walk with Christ. How often have you um, allowed trials and hardships to cause you to doubt the character of God or neglect your time in the word or withdraw from regular attendance in church? How often do you allow the busyness of the world and the stresses of it cause you to hyper-focus on those things and never slow down to focus on the Lord? How often do our possessions steal the affections in our hearts that should belong to the Lord? Jesus said back in Matthew 6, where you're treasure is there your heart will be also what is the what's the fix for all this well the antidote is to hear the word and hear it over and over and over and over again praying each time that the lord would help you to love him over all other things and see see the world through the lens of the word in other words ask the lord to help you see the world as he sees it as it really is so that the world doesn't hinder you from a closer walk with the Lord. Let's think next about the, the parable of the weeds uh, in verses 24 through 30. The parable of the weeds. Well, just like he did in the previous parable, he follows the telling of it with the explanation of it in verses 36 to 43. It's a unique and fun chapter in that way. The parable compares the kingdom of heaven to a wheat field in which weeds are also present. And he says the weeds will be easily apparent at the time of the harvest and will be rightly separated in the end. And Jesus says his kingdom is like this. There will be some who pretend to be in the faith but are not truly born again. And Jesus says Satan is behind this. He says that in verse 39. This parable is a stern warning uh, from the Lord himself against those who are not truly born again and are just pretending religion. Jesus has already gone to great lengths in earlier chapters to show that 
true believers bear fruit. We've talked about that a lot. And they give evidence of genuine faith in their life. Here he, he again warns those who merely say to him, Lord, Lord, as in Matthew seven twenty one, but do not do the will of God, that in the end the Lord himself will sift through uh, his true followers and and they will those who those who are not genuine will spend eternity in, in an eternal Christless hell, Matthew thirteen forty two. Jesus will emphasize this sifting of the righteous from the wicked in the parable of the net in verses forty seven through fifty. He pleads for those who listen to have ears to hear. I'm struck by how repeatedly Jesus simply sends out the call to take his words seriously. He is speaking words of reality. In the two two main parables of this chapter, Jesus is pleading with people to be the good soil that his word can grow in. And don't be the weed that has to be thrown in the fire at the end, but be the wheat that he will gather and bless forever. As we get toward the end of the chapter, we see a couple of more parables. One has to do with the value of the kingdom. Jesus doesn't merely motivate through warnings, take my word seriously, but he, very, he tells two very short parables in verses 44 through 46 to motivate through reward. He tells two parables, one of a valuable treasure in verse 44 and one of a pearl of great value in verse 46, both of which were so valuable that it was perfectly reasonable to get rid of everything else you had just to have that one thing. It's another way of saying what Jesus will say it coming up in Matthew 16 when he asks, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? Is anything in this world really as valuable as the kingdom of God and what it offers us through Jesus? Jesus and belonging to his kingdom far outweigh anything we could ever gain in this life and in this world. The whole old hymn says, you can have all this world, but give me Jesus. Finally, the rejection of the king. This chapter ends on a sort of a somber note. Um, after all the miracles Jesus had performed and after people had marveled at the authority with which he spoke and taught, the people of his hometown rejected him and refused to believe. It's sort of a case of familiarity blinded them to reality. Uh, this, this, is, this is a good warning for us to hear. We are blessed to live in a gospel-saturated place. You can pick up the Bible and read it anytime you want, anywhere you want. Uh, you can turn on the radio or TV or listen to or watch a sermon anytime you want. You can go to church without fear of persecution any time you want. In other words, there is not a moment in your life, if you're honest, there's not a moment in your life when you can't fill your ears and mind with Jesus and the things of God. But don't be like the people of Nazareth who became so familiar with Jesus that they no longer saw him for who he is and didn't believe him. Because of their willful blindness, Jesus did no mighty works among them. Verse 57, even the psalmist in Psalm 119, so familiar with God's word, prayed in this prayer to the Lord. He said, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. So don't become 
casual and complacent with the things of the Lord, especially through this New Testament challenge, reading a chapter every day. Ask him daily to open your eyes, to love him more every single day and see wonderful things in his word. Pray that prayer even today.